You're listening to the Southampton Delivery Podcast, a podcast dedicated to the Southampton Football Club and all of the SFC fans. If you want to have guarantees, you have to buy a washing machine. Match either we win or we learn, and today we learn. Abdacha, Austin, Shotagizabi. It's in field to Mane, 25 yards out. Lovely ball for Bella. Onside, 1 0. Blue fast shot. Oh my word. It's unbelievable. He ran around a bit like Bambi on ice. It was very, very embarrassing to watch. And now, your host, Matt Markstone. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Southampton Delivery Podcast, a podcast and newsletter dedicated to the Southampton Football Club and all of the SFC fans and available right here on SouthamptonDelivery.com. My name is Matt Markstone. I am the host of the show. No matter where you are, no matter how you may be listening, whether this is your first time or you've been here before, thanks for making the show part of your day. I hope that you enjoy it and I hope that you are doing all right. I know the world is still um, a crazy place. A lot of it is in upheaval, whether it's uh, recovering from coronavirus or protesting for human rights, whatever it is. I hope that you're staying safe. Uh, I hope that you are well, and I hope that your family and everybody else is doing the same. Um, that said, our family is growing, and no, I don't mean we're having a baby. I mean that there is a new patron of the show, so I would like to just take a second to say thank you to Tim Bizance for joining the Patreon community. Tim now gets access to uh, some additional content. He gets priority for having his questions answered on the show. And if he chooses, he can join a group chat, which is just for the patrons. Um, mostly recently we've been, I don't know what we've been talking about, but it's been, it's been kind of entertaining, at least for me, which is probably not the point. But anyway, uh, all of that is there. If you want to take advantage of that, it's patreon.com forward slash SFC delivery. But thank you so much to Tim uh, for joining. Uh, you didn't have to do that. Um, nobody has to do that, but you chose to, and I appreciate it. So Patreon just helps make sure that the show continues to be made. It helps pay for uh, just the hosting and various things like that. Uh, but I do very much uh, appreciate it. So uh, thanks to all the patrons who are out there. I should say that uh, more often. This week on the show, though, I am joined by Callum Wilson. You can find Callum Wilson on Twitter at CallumWilson21 uh, and on Instagram at Callum underscore Wilson123. He is part of the team that helps bring you Saints AD commentary, and he's a co-host on the Under the Lights podcast with fellow uh Saints fan and commentator and also a patron of the show, Tom Murray. So uh, lots of patrons making things happen, which is, which is super nice. Um, yeah. So Callum and I basically, I mean, we actually had news to talk about, which is a, a first um, football is going to come back. That is exciting, but actual things happen as well. Ralph and long have new contracts. Uh, Pierre Emil Hoiberg does not have a new contract. Uh, there were some comments thrown around both by Ralph uh, and, and the higher ups in the club. And he even said some things, uh, Hoiberg himself, uh, on the Ramble Meets podcast. So we discuss all of that and the ramping up of the Hartford Athletic Partnership, uh, the fixtures and all of that. I hope you'll enjoy it. It's a jam-packed kind of episode, a little bit longer than we've had in the past couple of weeks. But anyway, I hope that you enjoy it. Thanks again for joining the show. And uh, let's get to it now. I'll talk to you on the other side. I'd like to welcome to the Southampton Delivery Podcast, Callum Wilson. You can find him on Twitter at CallumWilson21 and on Instagram at Callum underscore Wilson123. He's part of the team that brings you Saints uh, audio description commentary. 
uh, for all the Southampton home matches. And he's also part of the End of the Lights podcast. So, Callum, welcome to the show. And uh, we have some actual football uh, news to talk about this week. So uh, thanks for joining me and uh, welcome. Yeah, thanks for having me on, Matt. Yeah, yes. Um, there's a lot to talk about from a Saints perspective. But but also we finally going to quench the thirst for some Premier League football in, uh, in what is it, just under a a couple of weeks now. Yeah, yeah, it's it's approaching very quickly and for me it's summer is officially started now. This is the this is the first actual thing I've done on my summer vacation. So uh I am excited and it's uh, it's tangible like I can see it now. I'm excited. I'm also nervous. Um and I and I don't know what to do because I haven't felt this way in, you know, <laughs> several months. I've just been kind of like hoping for something to happen and 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 now it's here. So uh I, I don't know. I'm pretty excited about it actually. Yeah, it's, it's kind of like um, kind of like the beginning of the season again, isn't it? You get that kind of feeling for, but like doing pre-season when you've been waiting over the over the summer for for the new season to the start. But um, but we're just going to have so much football. I, I think we were going to be looking forward to uh, to the Euros starting on Friday next Friday. So instead, obviously that that was postponed. But at least we've got another kind of festival of, of football every single day to uh, to look forward to and then before you know it once this is done it'll be a, maybe a month and then the, the, the next Premier League season will hopefully be up and, up and running yeah I, a lot of questions about the transfer window and contracts and, and everything else and we'll just have to kind of see how it all how it all works out but um, I mean for, for you and, and this is not where we was going to start the show but I, I think it just fits is in America we have the opportunity to watch basically every game on TV for a, a very decent price if you live in America. And and so for me, I can watch any game I want at any time. But you're going to have that option. Like you're going to be able to watch most of the matches and and I mean, how I guess how are most people feeling about that or how are you feeling about that at least in, in terms of the opportunity to kind of sit in front of a TV and watch even though we can't be in the stadium. Well, yeah, we can't wait because you know, it's a it's our national sport. We've had zero sport for the last 3 months. And uh, we didn't know if we didn't know if we'd have football at all. If there, there was talk about just uh, having the season null and voided, or or points per game, and, and all of that. And obviously, everyone, the, the health and, and safety of everyone is clearly the, the primary objective. But if it means that we're able to get football up and running, which it seems that we are, then uh, then everyone's everyone's absolutely buzzing to get that back on. We can't go in the stadiums, but I think. Just from a fan point of view, um, we're looking forward to being able to, to watch any football, let alone getting the fix that we're going to be able to. You guys, you guys have got it better than we have. You know, it's 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 the English Premier League, but America has has the option to watch every single game. Whereas, um, I mean, you'll you'll probably be well aware, Matt, but you have to pay for a package a lot more expensive than the one you have to use over there. And we'll we'll have to buy multiple TV packages because it's it's over multiple broadcasters, and you'll get maybe three or four games a weekend, and perhaps the odd sort of European football in the week across Sky and BT. But but in terms of free to air television, there isn't any. You watch yeah. match of the day on a Saturday, and you'll get the odd FA Cup games and uh, and internationals, but that's it. So this is this is quite a, a unique um, set of circumstances in which I think about eighty percent of the games are going to be available for um, the Great British public to watch 
free of charge, and and that's obviously a you know to try and help with with uh, with the general mental health and and just realising that money isn't the, the be all and end all when it comes to football. Again, the game's back on, but if, if us fans can't be at the stadium, then then it's only fair to try and give us a way in which we can we can watch the Premier League. Yeah, it, it'll be. I mean. It doesn't compare to being in the stadium at all, and I don't think anybody thinks it does. But um, I don't know. It's the, what you guys have to go through in terms of just to watch a game is uh, you guys put up a lot more than than we do, and um, it's actually, I mean, honestly, easier to watch the Premier League here than it is to watch, you know, some of the sports that we have here because we don't uh, nothing on the Premier League is blacked out. You know, um, generally okay. what we have in because you guys have like the 3 p.m. kind of um, like blackout on a Saturday where yeah. no games can be televised. Um, we here have regional blackout. So like you can't watch your local team on TV uh, in many instances because they want you there at the game. But uh, for me, a local blackout means that it's it's three and a half hours to, to the team. So it's like I'm not I'm not going down there uh, you know, on, a, on a Wednesday afternoon when to, to watch the, the team. It's just not it's not not a thing. Um, but yeah, it's so, bad, really. Yeah. So it's, uh, anyway, but, but football is back and, uh, Saints will open up with, with Norwich on Friday, I believe it's 6 PM kickoff for you. So 10 AM for me. Uh, and, and then we'll, we'll move on from there home to Arsenal and then away to Watford. So it's, we'll kind of keep it going. And, and I guess football is just going to be kind of every, they're staggering the start times for you guys. So like almost every game, like you said, will be on for you to watch and consume and hopefully uh watch saints pick up some points and get over the the 36 or 40 point mark or whatever it is we need to get so we can be safe and, and just move on yeah i think um i mean a 10 a.m start is a lot it's a lot nicer for you than the, than the usual 7 a.m start so that that works quite nicely with the first game for, uh, for you over on the west coast but I, th- I think it's it's like you said they could have had a load of games on at three o'clock and maybe just uh, put one on television, but they're, I think they're staggering them. I think you get about five on a Saturday, maybe four on a Sunday. Yes. Yeah. Like back to backs at 12, 12 PM, 2 PM, four, six and eight or, or something like that, which is, uh, which is going to be pretty good. And, and, uh, and you won't have to sit and listen to the, the pundits talking <laughs> for hours beforehand either. You'll be going from one straight into the other. It's interesting you say you say about the next three games that we've got being um, Norwich away, Arsenal home, and Watford away. But they're they're not. You kind of put the put an asterisk next to the home and away because yeah. I'm not sure how much of, uh, especially looking at the way the Bundesliga was going. I don't. I'm not sure if you can really take that much home advantage. And and if anything, it'd be interesting to see if that's an advantage for Saints because obviously the home form hasn't really been there. Yeah, yeah, we've really struggled to pick up points at home for several seasons now, and and you kind of wonder like what teams are going to suffer the most as a result of their fans not being kind of in, in the stadium. And you can make jokes about you know Arsenal's generally empty anyway. Uh, the Emirates isn't normally full, so they'll they'll feel right at home. Um, but you know you you wonder about some of those other teams that uh, you know may suffer. And I think like you said, we we may just be all right. Like we should just be okay for us. Although. I will say that our away support is is fantastic, and I think the I, I mean you know better than I would, but I think the home support is 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 coming along, and um, you know, especially under Ralph, I think people have been 
I guess a little happier to, to watch the football that we've played for the most part. But but like I said, you would know better better than I. Yeah, I think I think it's fair to say. To be honest, I think there was a lull in um, in kind of atmosphere that that went along with the lack of lack of points home and away under Pellegrino and and Hughes and even even before that with Puel. I think with, with the style of play of those three managers as well, it wasn't since Kuman where we were playing well, we were playing attractive attacking football. We had really exciting players and we were we were winning more more football matches more regularly than we than we ever have. So uh, and the same with Pochettino and obviously before that our march uh, up the leagues with Adkins. So it was a bit of a, a lull between sort of 2016 and 20 and 2018 maybe. And then um, Ralph came in, reignited maybe some some excitement and some passion uh, with with the fans in terms. Of, I mean they'll be there and they'll watch their team week in, week out, but sometimes you can find yourself watching a really poor team and, and, um, and not being enthused by it. And I think a lot of the time the players can ignite something in the fans and if they're if a chance or some sort of excitement or a quick breakaway, or maybe a player does a, a puts in even a, a, even a really good slide and tackle and suddenly everyone, that, that breeds enthusiasm in the crowd. Whereas I think for a few years, it had to be the other way, and the, and the crowd were trying to find a way to, uh, to ignite something in, in the players and the way we were, in which we were playing. But yeah, certainly under Ralph, although the home form in terms of points is still not where we want it to be, and the fortress of St Mary's has been uh, sort of five, six years ago. I think um, I think that could that could come, and maybe it will maybe it will take this kind of behind closed doors situation to to get us a few wins at St Mary's and, and maybe get rid of that um, that stigma and then when uh, when fans are allowed back in to go from there because I do think it's just it just snowballs in the players minds yeah the longer it goes on yeah eventually you just you need something to break that cycle um, and I, I think the fans have done a, a lot I think the fans stuck with it as long as they could and and at some point the, the team's got to come come about and and kind of earn that respect and that support back. And that's, that's their job. Um, you know, uh, they, yeah. they, but, and I, and I think, I think Ralph understands that. And I think Ralph's trying to do that and yeah, you know, that, that, that is what it is. But um, I mean, absolutely right. I think, I think you're right in saying, I was going to say the same thing. I think House and Hudson has been a big part in that as well, because when he came in, his, his initial focus was on building that relationship with the fans and, uh, and the community and the, and the club and bringing everyone together and putting us in the right, on, on the same page and the same direction. So, um, and, and the fans absolutely love him. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's been good. And, and we'll, we'll come on to talk about his, his contract in, in just a moment. Yeah. Um, but I was going to ask you, you know, you're, you're a Saints fan and obviously you're, you're a commentator as well, uh, for the audio description commentary, but I mean, what's your kind of early Saints memory? Uh, you know, when did you start going to games or, or, or did you grow up in Southampton? Is that how it kind of came about or, or how that worked? Yeah. Born and bred in Southampton. I've, I've, Lived here uh, all my life. Um, I suppose a, a, a slight confession would be that when I when I was younger and I first got into football, uh, as as probably the case for most football fans in England, it was all about Manchester United. And I remember having <laughs> a for my sins having a Man United shirt, and uh, and sort of when they won the treble, I was um, you know, I wasn't a supporter. I just I was a kid that liked 
you know, David Beckham and, and, and that kind of thing. So my earliest memory of watching football, I mean, we always used to play it in kids' clubs and things when I was smaller, but um, was the was the France 98 World Cup, and I remember sort of having the, having the wall chart, and my parents had got me a wall chart, and I was kind of filling in the scores as we went along, and, and uh, of course, you know, in England, I remember watching those games, some of those games at school, and I would have been sort of seven. Um, and obviously the, the the goal, you know, the Michael Owen goal against Argentina and that kind of penalty shootout. I just I was just too young for Euro '96, which obviously was the big one. And um, they 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 played the whole tournament on on terrestrial television um, during this lockdown. So I've been able to go back and watch some of those games again. But yeah, that that sort of '98 season, I got into football, and then after that. Uh, my dad would take me down to the Dow. Uh, I think from the following season, I think it must have been ninety, it must have been ninety-eight, ninety-nine, sort of first live football match that I went to watch. And although I was kind of my friends and supporting Manchester United and, and, and England, and I, you know, I, I liked that treble winning side. I was going to games with my dad, and, and obviously had that soft spot for Saints. Uh, and after not too long, I, you know, since prevailed and, um, and I, you know, I, I followed, I followed the, uh, the Saints and I haven't looked back. Yeah. So I think I say it more often than I probably should, but it used to surprise me when people said, yeah, you know, actually I supported Liverpool or, or Man United or I liked them as a child. But I think like so many people have said that that's just kind of, that's just normal. Like it's just you know they're the they're the ones who do get on TV, who you get to see quite often, especially when yeah you know when the FA Cup was the only game on and they were in it. Like that's 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 what it is, you know, and that's what yeah, that's what you see. Um, and as a child, I'm yeah. sure staying up for match of the day, you know, if if they're on first, you might catch that one before you fall asleep or whatever. But um, you know that's yeah, true. It, it it all makes sense because it's it's the same thing here in the United States, like we have teams, you know, spread all over the country and, and you see certain teams more than others. Like everybody knows the Yankees. There's Yankee fans everywhere. There's Red Sox fans everywhere. There's um, even Dodger fans everywhere. And, and, but you know, very few people like the Texas Rangers, like unless you're from Texas or, you know, like that's just the way it works. So, um, yeah. So, yeah. I um, think, I think if you, um, I think it's, it's quite plain and simple as well. And unless you, unless you have a, a family who are, who are, avid supporters of, of a football team and to just follow in those footsteps. I mean, my dad, my dad was a Stampton fan, but he'd, he'd never, never attended, regularly attended football. He wasn't into football until, until I was old enough and showed an interest. And then, which is quite nice because we were able to just go and experience the same games and the same sort of era as, as each other. But when, when you're a child and you, and you don't have that kind of avid football family and you're automatically in the team then you then you watch the teams as you said the ones that are playing all the time but the ones that are winning you know you don't have a loyalty to anyone so if you see players like like Manchester United had and you're going outside on the playground you're not trying to emulate the guy who's picking the ball out of his neck you're trying to emulate <laughs> the guy who's just scored this 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 goal, this free kick, or this header, and 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 Man United at that time in the late nineties were the team that were doing that. But yeah. once you do start getting exposed to live football at somewhere like the Dow, um, which which is just such a unique environment, then 
then you soon realise that, that yeah, that's that's what you, do you want to sit on your sofa and, and try and watch as many Man United games as you can from from you know on television, or do you want to be in amongst the, the community and, and see some live football matches? It's a it's a no brainer for me. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's you know, a lot different being you know under the lights than it is sitting in front of uh, of the television. So. Um, yeah. Uh, we we should mention obviously you, you do a podcast uh as well uh and i mean you haven't been able to do the commentary stuff because obviously there's no home games right now uh there's no fans in the stadium so you guys won't be doing that but uh you do have the podcast and and i guess how's the podcast going during during this time i mean you guys are still recording episodes and doing stuff i think you guys have a new episode out uh just a couple of days ago by the time people listen to this but um you want to just fill us in on that real quick yeah, yeah. So me and Tom, we've had Tom, uh, Tom Murray on on the show before. Me and Tom, part of a team of uh, of four that do the audio description at St Mary's, and obviously that that for obvious reasons hasn't been happening since um since lockdown, since the end of the Premier League. But we, you know we have great fun doing that, and uh, and we often spend well, we always spend sort of a good forty minutes before kickoff, um, talking to our listeners and just discussing teams just discussing anything that had happened um from, from a saints perspective during the week and uh and myself and tom really enjoyed that side of things um in the kind of build up to the match as well and with podcasts really uh developing and, and becoming a, a huge thing in society at the moment we we thought we'd um we thought we'd make one of our own and and uh, i mean our slogan is all, all things football all things saints we, you know, we like to talk about um, football generally um, and the Premier League yeah, on the whole because it's such a huge thing over here and, and, and we follow it. But then we, we kind of have a segment we call uh, Kingsland Corner where, whereby we talk specifically about about Southampton Football Club. And, and, and I think we're, you know, there is a niche of people, as you well know, that, that want to listen to that kind of thing because you don't really hear um, a team like Southampton in that much detail being talked about uh, in the kind of general media. So, yeah, we have we have great fun. We're doing it a lot more regularly. We started at the beginning of the season, um, actually, uh, during pre-season, and um, and for multiple reasons it kind of tailed off for a bit, and we had other things going on. But once lockdown happened, I kind of said to Tom, "Look, you know, let's let's get going on this again because we can do it via." By a satellite, we can we can do it over the phone and um, and do it more regularly, and and we're we're really enjoying making the making the content and just talking about it. Yeah, I, I feel like the lockdown was actually kind of the great kind of podcast equalizer in terms of audio uh, quality. All of a sudden, all these big name podcasts were sounding like they were recording in a tunnel, and uh, made me laugh because it's like, man, you know, once I, I obviously have to do this remotely. I think I've only ever recorded, you know, two or three episodes in, in, in person really. Um, so, you know, to hear, uh, you know, the guardian football weekly sound like it was being shouted through a, a tin can phone was, uh, was nice. And they've, they've, they've kind of leveled it out and the audio quality is like, we talked about it earlier, you know, a little bit different, but, but really like, you know, it's the, the, te- the technology's out there and kind of accessible enough that you can make it sound, uh, decent enough. Um, and and with everything else kind of sounding the same, it makes it makes it way better. <laughs> um, yeah, you're right. It's quite funny watching the top. You'll have ESPN. We'll have sort of Sky Sports, and and seeing you know a split screen of four people. Um, we have uh, Jamie Carragher 
Gary Neville, Jamie Redknapp kind of talking to a to a presenter um, with a webcam set up in the, in the front room, and, uh, and and it sounds like you said it sounds like they're underwater, and you're kind of thinking, well, it, you know, it's, it's not that simple with that big studio setup, is it? So yeah, I, I like what you said. Yeah, it's the, it has very much been the podcast equalizer. That's, that's a good way of putting it. Yeah, yeah. Um, I I mean, and I, I don't know. It's been routines are out the window at this point. So podcast listening is, is, uh, definitely changed. I know I, I pay way too much attention to like industry ups and downs and things like that. And so I, I, I try not to talk about, it. I have a note here that says don't talk about it and I'm reading it and talking about it at the same time. So it's not great. Um, but, uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, we, we have kind of a lot, of, like we said, a lot of stuff to, to, to talk about. And I guess, I guess the biggest news is, is Ralph Hasenhutl's contract. And we, we kind of mentioned his relationship with the fans, um, the way he's trying to build that. And now, I, you know, four more years uh, in America, we say four more years. And that generally means uh, you <laughs> be voting for Trump and which is not, is not at all what we're, what we're advocating for here, but uh, you know, managers don't always see out the contracts, but, but four more years. And, and just to you, what's your initial reaction to, to him signing that contract? Oh, well, yeah, it's a, it's a huge positive, isn't it? But yeah, no one can deny that Ralph Parsonetto is such a such a fantastic manager, and and you can see the signs of of what he's rescuing and 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 developing and building within the club, and it's um it looks to be in a long term strategy when you see about the kind of playbook that he's that he's created, which uh, which everyone's kind of talking about as being this fantastic new way of of synchronizing. Uh, a philosophy within a, an entire football club through the academy. Um, he's, he's really trying to sort of trying to create a legacy, and he often talks about you know, the journey that he wants to come on with the club. Um, and and I don't think there's anyone really better that Southampton um, would want to replace him with. So to tie him down to a deal is important because obviously we've seen. With Southampton, it goes one of two ways: either either you do fantastically and your manager gets poached, um, or you do pretty poorly and you have to make a change yourself and get rid of the manager. There's a, there's a very small area around kind of that mid-table between maybe ninth and fifteenth, sixteenth, whereby if you're if you're constantly around there, then that's where you're probably going to get a, a bit of longevity with with managers, which we've not seen for a while. I fully expect over the years and over the seasons for, for Ralph to take us upwards gradually. Um, he's clearly evidencing that philosophy in the Southampton way with the, with his emphasis on youth and the kind of signings he's making. He seems to be very strict on, on what specific things he's looking for and the way in which they play football. You know, Earlier on in the season, it, it was a poor start and we were hoping to really um, really see a Ralph Parsonetton team and we weren't. We were seeing him plugging holes because of a lack of transfer activity but once once he went back to what he knew and he he lost that kind of fear of failure and started looking to win football matches with his high pressing and attacking football and, and putting Shane Long up there with with Danny Ings and pressing from the front and all of a sudden our fortunes uh, our fortunes changed so yeah it's it's great to get him on board for four years we're being naive if we think that that means that we're going to keep him for four years. What it'll just mean is that if he does do exceptionally well, like the likes of Kuman and Pochettino, and someone does come in and take him, then at least uh, at least we get a little bit of money for it. But I think looking looking ahead, it's um, it's great to see him 
putting pen to paper and um, and showing us that, that he, he fully intends to um, to progress this football club. Yeah, and in, you look at his kind of actions and his words when he came in and there are no guarantees. And I think he even understood that it would be kind of rough going and I'm not sure that it's going to be smooth sailing from here on out, but the idea that we're very clear on what we want from transfers and whether that comes from the club saying, this is what we have money for and this is where we'd like to go or whether it's Ralph kind of directing that, I'm not sure. But the, I, I think as long as everybody is clear as to where they're going and what they want, um, I, I think it's going to make make the the transition in the in the future kind of better, and I hope that it continues kind of after he's gone. Because, as you said, you know, there's there is the possibility that somebody comes in and takes him from us, or uh, and I'm not sure he would leave. I don't think he would just leave for anybody. I think it would have to be one of those jobs where you you look at it and say like, you know, yeah, yeah, you should probably go there at this point. But um, hopefully, the 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 blueprint that's laid out after that. Um, you know, can be followed by whoever comes in and it doesn't have to change every time we have a, a manager. And I think that so many football clubs have this idea where the manager comes in and they have to purchase the players that they want to play the football they want. And then the next time it comes in, everything has to change. And we've kind of gotten ourselves in trouble uh, over the past couple of years. I think we've gotten away from uh, a kind of style in in uh, of play in that switch between Kuman and everybody who's come after him has just been kind of a, a mess. And so uh, to get back to uh, a clear kind of consistent plan all the way through the academy to be able to bring players forward, I think is is a, is a huge plus for us kind of, kind of going forward. So, um, and and I guess moving forward with that, you know, Hassan Hudel signs the the new contract. There was talk that we wouldn't have any new contracts until we got to thirty six points. I didn't necessarily expect that first contract to be handed out. Uh, you know, obviously the thirty six points isn't there yet because we're we're not playing all this other stuff, but. Uh, Shane Long to sign a contract extension as the first player after Ralph Hasenhutl signs his. Um, I think that's going to, if, if Hasenhutl's contract was going to kind of unify the fan base, uh, Shane Long might be one of those ones where, where it, it doesn't exactly do that. And um, although Ralph, I think has, has made a case for, for Shane Long being in the team uh, each and every week and, and had other play, had other managers kind of put him in as often as they, as, as Ralph has, People would complain, but Ralph does it, and I think once again the idea is clear enough. Um, the partnership with Danny Ings is clear enough that that most people maybe would give give Ralph a little bit of leeway. But uh, what's your thoughts on 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 Long sticking around now for for two more years? Yeah, I, I think it's I think it's actually a really positive move. Um, it, it's interesting what you say because I think uh, well, there's a phrase over here that we say he's like Marmite, which is um, you know what Marmite is. I do. Um, oh, I, I've only ever had Vegemite because yeah. somebody from Vegemite, Australia sent okay. it to me. <laughs> somewhat, somewhat similar. But the the idea being that half the people love it and half the people hate it. You never have someone who kind of doesn't mind it. And I think um and and sometimes Shane Long has been. Oh, I hate's a strong word, but there are people in the pro Shane Long camp and the anti Shane Long camp. You know, people will understand what he does for the club and think. He, he he's really important for the team and other people will say well he's a striker who doesn't score goals but I think that this has been his best season in the same shirt by far it's the first time since he joined us in uh, what was it about 2014 I think from, with Koeman I think it's the first time that he's actually cemented his name on the team sheet mm -hmm. and um, and it comes as no surprise because he is exactly the sort of player that Ralph Hartson had to wants in his team. He, 
pressing from the front. You know, I can maybe think of Jamie Vardy, but I couldn't think of anyone else that may be better than Shane Long at applying that kind of pressure. Um, he, he works the socks off for the team. And I think as soon as, um, as soon as Ralph gave up on the three at the back and, and went with his, his trusted 4-2-2-2 formation, Shane Long was the main beneficiary of that because it meant that he could partner someone up front. And Shane Long isn't, Shane Long will never be a lone striker because your lone striker needs to be someone who's going to get you 15, 10, 15 goals a season. And Shane Long's not that man. So he'd often be playing out on the right wing because he tracks back. Um, but I think, I think he is perfect as a second striker. And I think Danny Ings and himself have, um, have really enjoyed playing together. He's been great foil for Danny Ings to get so many goals. And actually, Shane Long, before, before the season kind of paused, he was, um, he was on a decent little run of, of scoring when, you know, he may have gone a lot of games without scoring. Then suddenly this season, he's, he's hitting some purple patches. So I think personally, Southampton play better when Shane Long's in the team and he may not have the stats that people would want and he may not be someone you put in your fantasy football team, but he, the, the players around him and the team, actually perform better in Ralph's, um, Ralph's style when Shane Long's playing. I'm, 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 I'm sure of that because I've seen it with my own eyes and, and a number of different occasions. He just uh, he offers so much more than just just scoring. I think if Shane Long could finish regularly, he would, he could, he would be a really, really top striker. Oh. Because he's quick. He jumps. He's probably quicker than most of There aren't many players quicker than Shane Long in the league. He, I think he jumps higher than anyone in the league. Yeah. I mean, aerially, he's massively underrated. He works so hard. And actually, what people don't give him to, um, credit for is technically, he is really good. I've seen, the amount of times I've seen a, a long ball over the top where we're penned inside our own box and, and obviously he's the out ball. Someone will hit a ball over, over him and he'll run down. It will come over from behind him, over his left shoulder. Mm-hmm. And he'll bring it down with one touch, which is just an incredibly difficult skill. Yeah. And he, I've seen him do it so many times. So he does offer so much. If he could score goals, we'd say we'd have a really, really decent striker on our hands. But he's 33, a two-year deal, um, playing well. And, and like you said, we would have waited for the 36 points. We're on 34 points. And um, with with the whole lockdown situation and no football matches, he wouldn't have been able to play for us because he'd been out of contract by the end of um, by the end of June. So it, yeah, it makes sense to, to do it now. Yeah, I mean, and the goals haven't really come. Like you have to go all the way back to the fifteen sixteen season for the last time. I think he scored more than ten goals. Um, but as you said, if he if he was finishing, uh, you know, in any kind of consistent fashion, he just wouldn't be affordable. Like he would be gone. And yeah, because he has he'd be all the top six club. Um, yeah, he'd be a top six club for sure. And he's um, yeah, uh, he comes across as a as a as a really decent bloke, and I think he's liked by the fans for that. But but also, he might not score many goals, but he can he can score goals inside eight seconds. <laughs> and I think the uh, the goal that he scored against Liverpool is obviously iconic. I think that's probably done him some favours in terms of. Uh, Cult status yeah. amongst Saints fans, so um, yeah, that that definitely that definitely works in in Shane Long's favor. 
that goal makes me like that shirt more, you know, more. Because <laughs> yeah, I'll get, I'll get what you mean. That that when I when I see that shirt, when I wear that shirt, that's the match I think about. And I also remember uh, conveniently scheduling a doctor's appointment uh, that day so I could be off uh, <laughs> for the whole day, uh, so I can go home and watch that match. And I I remember uh, just you be that I, that whole night just tense and and waiting and and then I was kind of like you know he as 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 we're on that break, it's like you know Hoiberg's to one side belongs to the other and you're like i don't know sims i don't know who you pass it to here but he made the right decision so uh, <laughs> yeah not the greatest options but i definitely think long would have been the right one we'll, we'll talk about Hoiberg, i'm sure yeah soon but yeah i just remember being i just remember being absolutely drenched in um in alcohol some of my own and and some uh, from all sorts of other people because we were in the pub watching that obviously went to the game at st mary's redmond scored one nail and you're thinking is that going to be enough to take to anfield and, I remember Fraser Forster almost dropping the ball over his own goal line and just clawing it back. And, and then really just we were just inside our own box and then Sims breaks away. I don't know if you've ever seen it on YouTube, but someone put um, done it to a few moments. I think someone's put Titanic music uh-huh. to uh, to that Shane Long goal. And it's, if you haven't seen it, check it out. It's, it's absolutely brilliant. Yeah, it'll bring, and, I mean, uh, it'll bring tears to your eyes. As, <laughs> it just uh yeah yeah just adds something but yeah when he scores that goal and it's all over and um you might have seen over there when when the 2018 world cup was going on and England did so well and it was so hot over every time a goal would go in and sort of fan parks you just see beer fly yeah. everywhere and that was that was what it was like for that goal except we were in a small pub that was overcrowded and uh <laughs> yeah it, it got it got messy but those are, those are sorts of moments that you uh, you you sit through the, the crappy losses and the wet nights and the rain and, and all that rubbish to to be able to uh, to watch those sorts of moments. So, yeah, yeah. Ralph, Ralph Hassan, little Shane Long, two ticks, pretty positive week, I'd say. Yeah, yeah, and then and you know, and then we get on to a, a different sort of player, a player at the kind of the opposite end of his career, uh, still very young, um, Hoiberg, you know coming to the end of his contract and doesn't look like he's going to, to sign an extension. Um, you know, it's, it's uh, difficult, I guess, to, to kind of be fair to him in, in terms of, uh, I guess he's got ambition for his career and he wants his career to go a certain way. Um, and, and we, we kind of talked before we, we both listened to the, to, to the ramble podcast and, and the football ramble. And they have this thing called ramble meets and um, I have to give a shout out to uh, the guys, the patrons of the show who uh, it was Kevin McGee, who, who put that into the group and said like, you know, I'm looking forward to, to Hoiberg being on there. Cause I don't listen to the football ramble uh, very often. Um, but listening to that, you know, he, he admits that he was a little bit kind of uh, immature at times. Maybe he, he, he made decisions too quickly. And then when I hear him say that, uh, and, and like he wants to move forward with his career, like I wonder if he's doing the same thing now again, where he thinks he's grown up and he thinks he's making a, a little bit more of a mature decision. Um, you know, I think realistically he could sign a contract extension with us for two two years, maybe, and then have uh, by that point be ready for uh, really the prime of his career to go elsewhere if he wanted to do that. And uh, I'm not sure how how Saints fans would feel about that. I'm not sure how. Uh, even I would feel about that, but I think um, as the captain, and Ralph has mentioned also that you know you can't you can't be the captain if we're not sure if you're staying. But this doesn't work. 
Um, and I like that Ralph has come out with that, and that might cause some tension. But um, you know, w- what's your reading of the of the Hoiberg situation? Um, you know, and, and him kind of not signing a contract. Well, I think I mean in what you just said, there are probably three or four different questions. Um, one one being, is he good enough to leave us? One being the captaincy and Ralph's comments, and then another being sort of whether. I'm unsure if this is being blown out of proportion or not, because when you when you read an article, and I'm glad you forwarded over that podcast for me to listen to yesterday, because when you read the article and you see sort of quotes, you know what the media's like. They right. take a 45-minute conversation, low-key conversation as it was, and take a couple of points, I think, out of context. When I read what, the, what he'd said, I thought, okay, well, that's, you know, that's not great for your captain. But actually, I, I don't necessarily think he's fishing for a move. Um, the fact that he, he hasn't signed a contract yet, how long has the contract been on the table? Because we apparently have been waiting until the 36 points for Shane Long, who was who's running out of the contract in, in three weeks, whereas Hoiberg's got another a year on top of that. So I, what Harsin says is correct. If he's not going to sign a contract with a year left, we have to sell him. Because that's that's the way the club works. We right. get money for our players. We're not going to do what Arsenal do and let them see out their contract for every single player until there's a couple of weeks left, and then either get nothing for them or pay them way over what they should be getting. Right. With 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 Hoybier, I think clearly, um, I don't think anyone has a higher um, perception or opinion of of Hoybjerg than Hoybjerg himself <laughs> and what, what, what I mean what I mean by that is I think he rates himself and I think maybe he rates himself higher than he is at this point in time but maybe you can't maybe you can't blame someone who as an 18 year old kid has the best manager in the world come up to him and say you're you're the future star of this Bayern Munich team and Pep Guardiola um, I haven't read his book, but apparently in his book, cites that he said that to Hoybier. Yeah. So, you know, your head's going to get pretty big at that point. And I, I just, I think that, yeah, yeah, maybe he looks back and thinks, you know what, maybe I was a bit hasty. You know, I could have stayed a couple more years. They have a clear development program at Bayern, and um, he saw other players getting regular game time, and he's a footballer and he wanted to play football. Fair enough. So he takes a quite a significant drop from Bayern Munich to Southampton. Let's be honest. Um, and when he first played for us, he there, I couldn't see a place in the team for him. Right. We had, um, I think I can't remember who the players that we had, but I think we had uh, Romeo and Ward Prowse. I think Lamino had just come in at that point and looked good. We may have had. I think Schneidlin might have gone by that point, but there are a couple more, and we're, we've always been strong central midfield, and he couldn't get in the team. And if you move from Bayern because you can't get in the team to Southampton, and you can't get in the team, then um, then there's some there's some issues there for you. But obviously, he's the sort of player that has to rate. rates. Um, I my opinion of Boyer actually is. If, if, if he left, if we got 25 million for Hoibio, I'd take it. Um, and I think he'd be, I think he's a player that you can replace. He's, he's a ball winning midfielder who, um, who encourages players around him. 
when he gets when he gets in the final third, I think he's got a on a number of occasions I've seen he's got a distinct lack of composure, like an obvious lack of composure. He sort of snatches at things. Maybe maybe he's he's that sort of player with Hoybier, but he's great at winning the ball and suddenly we're on the counter attack. Mm-hmm. But what you want is someone next to him five yards so he can go, Here you go, you do the next bit. Yeah. Because he'll he'll come towards the edge of the box and there'll be a player to his left, to his right. We talked about that that Liverpool one, for instance. If it wasn't Sims and if Sims and Hoybjerg were the other way around and Hoybjerg had the ball, the amount of times he would not lay it off to the right player or he'd give the ball away or maybe he'd shoot and right. it, it would it would really it would go into row Z. That's not what his game is. And I think those are the players that you find difficult to replace. The Manes, the the the, the Tadiches, um, the Lalanas, those kind of players. I think with with Hoybjerg, I think we got that money for him. With a year left on this contract, we'd take it, we'd reinvest some of it, and we'd probably get a player that um, can do what he does yeah. for half the fee. The what he has said himself, he said in that podcast actually, was that his his best attribute is improving players around him, and I think that's what we would lose is clearly someone with a really high um, high expectation of himself and the players around him, someone who can motivate and influence the, the young squad around him, um, and and is clearly a natural leader, and that's that's his main attribute that's what he said his main strength is and um and that's why he's captain yeah and we don't have many players like that here at Southampton and I think uh the fact also that he's I think there's a stat saying that he's won um the ball in the central third of the pitch more times than any other player in the Premier League at any club yeah um and I think it was something like 31 more times than second place. Like he's well out. Like that's what he does well. Mm-hmm. And um, and that's what that's what Parcelotto wants from the central midfielders. And more Prowse will be up there in the top three or four with that stat as well. I just think if he's not if he's not going to sign a contract and he went, I wouldn't be as bothered as as I was about. Schneiderlin or Wanyama leaving, for instance, because I think they've just got more to their game. I listened to the podcast we did with Tom a few weeks back, and one of the questions was, um, rate these five central midfielders, if you remember. I think it was Hoybier, Romeu, uh, Ward-Prowse, Wanyama, and Schneiderlin. Uh-huh. Um, and I listened to that, and and I, I put Hoybier at the lower end, to be honest. So... Um, so yeah, that I, I, that might be a scathing. You know, he, he does things well, but so many times I see him on the ball when he passes backwards or something, and I think, come on, you know, you, you're better than that. Yeah. Um, and there are other players that can do that. I think Ralph's. I don't know what you think about how Ralph's handled it. I I, I think it's brilliant the way he came out, um, and and essentially has said, look, if he doesn't want to sign a contract, then he can't be captain because he can't lead a a, a load of players um, if he hasn't. If he hasn't committed his future to the club, I mean that's that that's a really strong bit of management, I think. Yeah, I think one of the things I'm really, I've been really happy with Ralph with is, is how open and honest he's been, kind of you know with most of with most of the media. He doesn't he doesn't hide things. If he doesn't want to talk about something, he just say I'm not talking about it. Um, but to be that clear with the expectation, then 
you know, you give, you give somebody the opportunity to make a choice. And, uh, I think I have a hard time with that because it's, um, you know, I'm just not that kind of person, but Ralph doesn't seem to be bothered by those things. And, and I think as long as the conversation, as long as that's not the first time Hoiberg has heard that, as long as he's not hearing that in the media for the first time, then I think it's fine. Um, and, yeah. and, and I'm definitely behind it. I just hope that the communication behind the scenes is, is happening, uh, just because I think that will allow things to, to move forward. And, you know, there's a lot of evidence, um, circumstantial I, I, evidence, I guess, that, that Hoiberg is, is, is maybe, you know, at least thinking about the future. I think he's, I think he's changed agents in the recent past. I think, uh, you know, he's, he's more prevalent on social media now. He's almost like he's starting to build himself up a little bit. Um, and, and for me, like, I look at that and go like, you know, that, that's great. But also like, are you, are you hoping to be a star at some point? And, and there's nothing wrong with that. And we can't criticize him necessarily for, for, for wanting that football is a short career and having been at Bayern and, and been told by Pep Guardiola, like you're going to be great or you are the next, you know, the next great thing. Like you, maybe you want to fulfill that. And I, and I, and I think that it takes some belief, especially at this level to, to make sure that that happens. And uh, so he may try it. I may not agree with it, but I think he, he may, uh, as he goes forward, be looking for that. And, and you know what, you know, I wish him, I wish him the best. I think there are definitely things he can, he can improve on. Um, and I think, as you said, maybe the one thing we'll really miss is, is him winning the ball back in the middle of the field. Um, yeah, he tends to win the ball back, make a short pass and then basically tell everybody to calm down. And that's why I think so often that short passes, <laughs> yeah. it, it yeah. goes back to, to, to Jack Stevens or, or whatever, or just straight sideways and, and just wants everybody to get set and whether that's Ralph's instructions to him, you know, uh, I don't, yeah, I'm not sure, but, uh, we'll, we'll have to kind of wait and, and see how it, how it pans out. And I, I will also say that he won me over before he was ever captain in terms of when we were going through all of those bad results and he was the one that was willing to go get in front of the camera and talk. Yeah. Um, like that to he me, speaks well, doesn't he? Yeah. That, that shows that he, you know, he is, he wants that leadership role in, in, I don't think that he's getting in front of there because he wants to be a star. I think he's getting in front of there because it's the right thing to do and he will take the heat and he will stand up for the team. And to me, that's like, that's where he's, he's got it right. Um, and so, yeah, yeah and he's always shown yeah. that he's got high standards as well. He's, he's always shown that he's got high standards um, when he's had those interviews because they've often been on Sky or BBC or whatever. And, and they've said, um, we've often had that and then said, Oh, Wow, that's that's really refreshing. You don't often hear, you know, they've got media training and they usually say the right things or some cliches <laughs> or, or give you a give you a Holland uh, level of detail in their in their answers. But I think with with Hoiberg, yeah, he says exactly what he feels, and and you know, there's a, there can be a lot of admiration for that. I think you're right in that it's no secret that he wants to be at the very top. But I mean, what me and you don't know is is like you said, the conversations had between him and Ralph and the club. I mean, he, he said, he quoted, um, the club knows what I want. And clearly Ralph Arsenal knows what he wants if he's going to come out and say no, no contract, no captaincy. So if he's refused to sign a contract, then it's a completely different story. But from what we heard in that interview, and that's the reason this has all sort of come about, he said that he wants to be at the top. He wants to be winning leagues and Champions Leagues, um, having left Bayern Munich. But he also kept mentioning 15 years 
and he's got 15 years to do that and you know from when he left and he's only 24 so I, w- I wouldn't take from that too much that he is desperate right now to go to a top top club I think he wants to build himself and he knows he can keep progressing in areas um, he's brilliant in other areas that we've mentioned and I think he wants to get to that level he's not at that level right now and I also don't see especially in England who at that level is going to go and sign him um, to play in their team the, the, the massive link is Tottenham but then the other day we find out that they've taken a huge loan because uh, the coronavirus has hit just after they've got that stadium and they need you know, they're not going to be spending any money on players so are they going to come in with a low ball offer because he's got 12 months left in his contract? I don't think Saints will accept it. The other team is Everton. You're not winning a Champions League with Everton. <laughs> so, and you, well, you're not winning any trophies with Tottenham either, let's yeah. be honest. Yeah. So, um, so I think you're right in, in why doesn't he just say, you know what, I'll sign an, uh, I'll, even a year extension. Um, so he's got two years from now and we'll revisit it next year, but he's not there yet. And, I think if he stayed with Saints, we're on an upward trajectory. The last few seasons, he's been digging in and trying to get us out of a relegation fight. Um, if he helps lead us as a captain to a top eight finish, then suddenly some of our players will be looked at again. And um, and in the history, Saints have been known to, to buy players and, and create um, create really good players by developing them and other clubs then come along and pay the money for them so yeah I'd say he's he's not there yet he's only young just wait a couple of years but I'm not in this position and if Tottenham did stump up the money you'd have to to think would that be a a good move for him but I think we've got a ready-made captain and James Ward-Prowse stood right next to him doing some of the things that he does and providing a goal threat so um I'd have no doubt that he would be the man that would step into those shoes. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, and I, I mean, I, as this one, we're going to watch it play out and hopefully, you know, hopefully there is some resolution, even if it is that he is going to leave, um, then, then so be it. That is, that is what it is. And the only, the, I guess the, the only unfortunate thing is the coronavirus is going to impact uh, the price of players and, and what the, their kind of value in the transfer market. So, uh, we may not get what we think is is worth it for us, but um, that's just kind of how, how things are going to go. And you know, you talked about Tottenham having to take the loan and and things like that. Like they were, there is, uh, you know, match day income is not the biggest source of income for a lot of teams in the Premier League, just simply because the TV rights deals are are so much. But uh, when you sign the or build the big stadium like that, that the extra kind of 20,000 people in the stadium is a big deal, you know? And, and so many of those seats are going to be those luxury boxes or the corporate boxes that, that those tickets are, are outrageously expensive and, and a lot of money is going to come in from there. So they were, they were planning on that uh, in order to kind of make this run and, and put them up there to be able to compete with teams like Manchester city and things like that uh, in terms of match day income and, and, and just revenue in general. And, and they're going to be impacted by this, you know, um, yeah. in a much different way than, than Bournemouth who, you know, it's 11,000 seats, you know, so what? Like that, that, that money doesn't, doesn't matter all that much. Yeah. You get 62,000 seat a stadium, um, playing a game every, every other week 
and getting the revenue through that. Um, I haven't been to the stadium, but I've heard that it, you know, that it's, it's the next, it's the future really of stadiums and it's next level in terms of boxes and things like that. But they're also, you know, they 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 look like they were going to be holding the next Anthony Joshua boxing uh, fight as well. I imagine many concerts, you know, that that was built with not just with football in mind. I know the Raiders, um, I think the Raiders played there, didn't they? And they were looking for that to be a potential um, second stadium behind Wembley in, uh, in yeah. kind of NFL matches. So, you know, there's, there's clearly a, a global um, yeah. and sort of multiple sports and music and everything else. There, there was a there was a thought process behind that and a plan um, for a lot of money they spent on the stadium and suddenly they can't do any of it. Yeah, best laid plans kind of go to waste. So let's let's move on towards some listener questions. We have a, a couple. We'll, we'll get to a question from the Justin Woodward, who's one of the patrons, uh, to go with this from Luke Millard. Um, he says, also a question for the next show. Can you explain in the American soccer scene where Hartford falls into it? Um, because Saints have once again increased their athletic partnership uh, or their partnership with Hartford Athletic, who is a team that plays in the second division of the U.S. kind of soccer tier or soccer, whatever you want to call it, pyramid. Um, there is no promotion relegation in the United States, so they are staying there. They won't be promoted to MLS unless they you know, stump up and pay the money. Uh, but quite frankly, they just haven't been that good. So I don't see that happening um, anytime in the near future. But um, Basically, they play on the East Coast, and the second division of U.S. soccer is split between East and West, so there's an East division and a West division. They play in the East. Uh, they finished, I think, second bottom last season. Uh, if you combine the two kind of divisions, if you combine East and West, they finished third bottom, um, so not, not the best kind of show for them, but um, obviously, Jahidi's over there as the, as the head coach. Uh, Tariq Johnson's over there. Uh, on loan, so they will are starting to practice and starting to train again to to get back to to playing, um, but but once again not the not 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 a not a soccer hotbed not the not the greatest thing ever but that that I guess that partnership being able to to send over some some training and send over uh, you know some ideas obviously we have player on loan there and the manager over there. Um, you know, maybe maybe that just helps us build some some scout a scouting network here in the United States, which is maybe the next place that Saints will look to to get players before they become kind of more well known to to some of the bigger teams. Which, if you look at at some of the players that we've had that have, we've done the best with, it's it's picking up guys who were playing in in lesser leagues who were doing really well who fit the kind of the mold that we wanted. We come in, they play for a couple of years, and they move on. If we're looking to do that in the United States. Uh, I guess this would this would be the start. I would have probably picked a team in California, um, just one because the weather's better. Two, um, because there are certain places in the country where soccer is really, really, or football is really big, um, and Southern California is one of them. But then maybe you also run into competing with the likes of LA Galaxy and and, and other things that maybe you just you just don't want to do. So, um, I don't know. For you, is this a is this a big deal? The increase in partnership, or is it just kind of more of the same? And you know, the club needed something to talk about. Yeah, I'll, I'll be honest. I didn't. I don't really know too much about this. Um, I knew we'd be talking about it on the podcast, so I so I had a look at the article on on the Saints website, and yeah, Raddy Jaidi has has been working with Saints in the community and, and the academy level for well since he retired uh, for, for many years. Tariq Johnson. Uh, on loan over there, he, he's 
he's played in the in the Premier League for Saints as well. So clearly, I th- it, it seems that the uh, the partnership was was based on the actual club, as you say. They're in the U, the USL Championship, and they're um we we sort of partnered with them in terms of the club and their first team. And now it seems that uh, we're helping at more of a grassroots coaching and development level mm-hmm. uh, and, and with academy. And like you said, not, not just looking for um, player development, but coach development and partnering camps in the US and the UK. Um, and you're obviously trying to expand programs for grassroots coaches, which is great. But then also, you know, you're going to, you're going to be developing that area in um for young players and, and young kids in, in Connecticut, which is, you know, you'll know more about me than which areas are more um, into their football and, and you know, or, or their soccer, as you'd call it over there, than, than others. And California might be one, but yeah, I don't know why Hartford was chosen. It might have been that they approached Southampton. I know that Southampton did have something with um, something going for a little bit of. of time down in DC a number of years ago mm-hmm. um, I don't, I don't, again I don't remember too much about it and they go over there for pre-season there seems to be some sort of um, partnership going over there but it's good that they're trying to expand the brand over to the US because obviously it's a huge market and the MLS is growing the Premier League is readily available um, Obviously, we've been doing the same over in Asia with with the chairman and some preseason games, uh, and it's just it's just good to see that the club are trying to expand the brand and from a Southampton point of view. That's yeah, that'll be the reason. There might we might find the odd gem or the odd player, but I don't think that'll be the main reason. Um, Raddy Joidi is obviously you know ambassador uh, and a strong figure at the club and has been for a long time. He's over there coaching, so. I must think it's it's worthwhile, and um, and I'm sure Hartford are, are um, really appreciative of having a Premier League club with the stature of Southampton um, contributing to improving them. Yeah, absolutely. And I and I, and I think um, JD was on the oh, when the Saints podcast uh, not long ago, and he kind of mentioned it's a big step for for him. It's an opportunity for him to be kind of the head coach of of something and not kind of do the. You know, that, that's the first team that he's coaching. That is a fully professional team, um, not obviously at the level of a Premier League team or a championship team in, in England, but definitely uh, you know, a fully professional uh, team where he's going to be able to kind of ex- expand his, himself as well and, and, and better himself, which I think he's, he's been doing. That's a very interesting uh, inter- interview if you, if you have the opportunity to listen. Um, but yeah, I mean, I just, we'll, we'll have to see kind of how, how that works out. And you mentioned kind of the, you know, it's maybe more commercial and partnership and, and, and less about, about players. Uh, and you mentioned DC as well. That was when we signed um, the Under Armour contract. Uh, we were going into to that. Okay. And so they went over to the Under Armour training facility uh, in DC and Baltimore, which are, are they're an hour away. It's close by American standards. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and so they were over there. And um, yeah, and uh, you know, the, the flight from, from Connecticut to, to London is is about five hours, whereas the flight from LA to London, I guess, is is about ten and a half yeah. or eleven. So maybe maybe that plays into it as well. It's it's it's, it's half the way, half the distance away, but we'll kind of see how it all goes. Um, another question, last question from another one of the patrons, and patrons get priority for having their questions answered on the show each and every week. Justin Woodward says, uh, kind of based on the Ralph situation, and everything else, you know, 
what should be the aim of the club in the next four years? Where should we be looking uh, to to go, or what 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 do you see is happening for for the club in the next four years, and where should we be shooting for, or what should we be, we be shooting for? Um, I, I think we're always shooting for the same thing. I think it's just the the manner in which we do it under Ralph Hasenet is um is a priority, as as you said after kind of Pochettino. We got Kuman and we had the success without um, without bringing through the youth players that we did under under Richard Pochettino. Then we had the kind of chaos of, and 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 um, moving away from that philosophy of, of attacking football. Claude Puel came in, played diabolical football to watch, as Leicester fans know now. But he was um, he went along with the with the philosophy. Of, Using the great academy that we have, um, and now they seem to have found, after a couple of poor managerial choices, they seem to have gone back on track in that Pochettino mould by finding someone who wants to play the pressing football, young players being brought through, um, exciting football, and and I do think that he'll get the results. So I think um, your, your viewers' question, I think that. We're going to be looking for a top eight finish. I think we'll be looking to be the best of the rest. Um, and we'll continue to, I would think, develop players and, and, and make money because we're a business. Um, and the way in which, whether we like it or not, we're not one of the big teams that are going to spend all that money. So we will bring in players, develop them, and then sell them on for a profit and continue to do so. Um, What's, what will be interesting is what happens with the ownership because right now that's kind of up in the air and I don't see there being a huge plan from an ownership perspective because um, I don't think the owner is really too interested. So if you ended up getting someone in who wanted to spend some money, you wanted someone with ambition or you just got someone in who was happy to maintain Premier League status, then that would obviously have a huge impact. But I think bringing, bringing Ralph onto a a four-year deal, I think it would be great if we could keep him for those four years whilst having success. That would be ideal. And from that, we would breed success. I'm, I'm sure of it. Um, but I, I think if you want to talk about positions in the league, I think we'd be looking to try and get back into European football. Um, you know, maybe maybe get our hands on the, on a on a domestic trophy would always be great. You know that that's that's really the ceiling that you're looking at as a Southampton fan um, but I think it's more the way in which they want to do it they want to refine that Southampton way that philosophy um, and do things that the way that the club feels they should do whilst, whilst obviously growing the the brand globally in a lot in places such as the states I don't know what your thoughts are, are on that if you'd, if you'd add anything if you'd add anything to that but like I said I don't you know not, I'm not going to be silly and say in four years when we're trying to do what Leicester have done and be in the Champions League and all that sort of nonsense because we're we're 14th in the table and we just survived from relegation the last three years so um yeah. it's yeah steady on but yeah who knows no I, I think you did uh, summed it up well there and it's you know you look at, at how the team went about coming up from League One and and the momentum that was built and the foundation that was laid and how kind of each season um you know, kind of built upon what was what came before it, and there were some decisions there that were that were difficult decisions in terms of managerial decisions that people at the time didn't agree with. But in the end, 
prove to be maybe be the right decisions. And I think you're going to have to get lucky on, on, on some of those where you're, you're, we're going to have decisions that maybe don't go our way that we don't agree with, but it's going to take time to kind of build to that. And I, I, I kind of regret so much looking back at how the, the Europa League campaign was handled because it took so long for the team to get there. And then I, you know, when you're there, you have to capitalize on that, on that kind of run. And, and we didn't, we didn't do a great job there. And that, that is um, a, a little bit disheartening because you, you saw players go away after that. You saw kind of the momentum kind of, uh, you know, took the wind out of the sails essentially. And I think for Ralph to come in and what they're talking about and what we hope, what I hope, I guess, is that that foundation is, is laid again and we can build on it and whether Ralph's here to see it out or we have somebody else that, that comes in to kind of push that thing forward. Um, I'm there with it. And uh, hopefully, you know, we, we will challenge for European places and we will, you know, be up there in, in, in the later rounds of the cup competitions. But I would always opt for kind of this uh, gradual improvement until, you know, we get a year or two where we are really, you know, the, the, these are the years and then it's all going to come, it's going to come down to an injury or, you know, uh, a, a bad VAR decision or whatever it is that, that may take that away from us. Um, but that, I think that's the, the game you play, play, play the long game. Don't, don't try to go for, you know, a year or two of, of greatness now by buying all these players or doing whatever. And the, I'm not, I don't think the club's in danger of doing that, but, um, in terms of my other kind of sporting interests, I've, I've watched the Astros do that the wrong way and completely change things around. And I'm, I'm fully committed to that. Um, aside from the cheating aspect of, of their game. Uh, I don't, I don't agree with that, but uh, everything else is I'm with. So, uh, yeah, I, I, I think that, that I think, I don't, I don't know. I don't, I think I, I don't think I can put it. Uh, I don't think I can add anything else to that. Cause I think you've kind of, kind of covered it. Um, I think what's, in, what's, what's important, Matt, is that the club gets back to where we were because we lost our way. Um, and that, and that comes through making sure every area of the club is run properly. Um, not just the first team, but the academy and, and, and all the decisions that are made. Yeah. You talked about, oh, what, what could have happened? You know, I, I honestly believe that had we continued down the route that we were once we finished sixth with Ronald Koeman and we managed to keep him or replace him with a manager that was a, that fitted in with our model, um, then we were sixth. We were three points off of Champions League football and fourth. Uh, we just qualified for the Europa League, and during that season, we lost the likes of Pele and Mane and, and, and lots of lots of key players. We lost our manager, and as soon as we got Claude Puel in, who obviously you know he took us to the League Cup final and an eighth place, and it seems like he didn't do a bad job, but you you completely um, stopped any progress that we've made as a club because everything was we'd lose players but we'd have a that we'd have the black box and the scouting network where we'd get a replacement in and um we we did that when we had to clear out with Pochettino and all those players and then brought in Kuman and Mane and Pelo and Tadic and, and etc. And then it just seemed to we seemed to lose that. We seemed to lose a manager whereas Usually we do the same thing with managers. Okay, that's fine. See you later. We've got another one lined up. We'll just fit into the model, into the Samson way. As soon as Puel came in and we were bringing in the likes of Redmond to replace Mane and Austin to replace Pella, then suddenly um, we'd lost our way. And I think 
you know, it's not beyond the realms of possibility to get into Europe because you look at what Sheffield United are doing after the first season in Premier League. You look at what Wolves are doing after just a couple of seasons, and that's because they've got a way of running their club, and they're and it's fluid and everything's pointing in the right direction. And I think that's what Arsenal tools come in, steady the ship. He's putting all these things in place, and with time. That will breed success, and we can be looking to to emulate what those sides are doing this season. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, well, Callum, I just want to say thanks for coming on the show and and taking some time to chat with me. I've kept you uh, entirely too long, and I apologize for that. Um, no, I've enjoyed it. It's good. If, if people want to follow you on Twitter, they can do that at Callum Wilson twenty one. You're also on Instagram at Callum underscore Wilson one two three. Um, you're also part of the Saints AD commentary team, as we mentioned before, and the Under the Lights podcast, and links to all of those. Uh, are in the show notes if people want to check those out. Um, but yeah, man, I just want to say thank you. It's been it's been a pleasure to talk to you. And uh, I know you're you're planning a trip out to the United States. Uh, uh, I think in October is that correct? Yeah, yeah. So obviously, hopefully. yeah, circumstantial. Um, but yeah, if, if we're able to do it, then then yeah, we'll be heading over. I love coming over to the to the states, and it's such a such a multicultural place I could, we could do an entire other podcast yeah. on me talking on that situation we don't have the time now but yeah, um, yeah it'd be great to we've, we've talked about having you on uh, on on under the lights as well obviously Tom's been on this podcast before and um, and you know he's he's um, he's talked you up and, and and what a good time he's had and and and, and I can fully understand why so we'll um, you know, we'd appreciate uh, having you on ours when, when we could uh, turn the tables and ask you a few questions yeah anytime um and, and Tom, Tom's great. He's one of the patrons of the show. He's been, uh, talked to him for, for, uh, you know, I, I think I fall into the same thing where people will hear an hour of this hour and 10 minutes of this. We've been on the phone for, I, I don't even want to, I don't even want to say it out loud. It's, it's a long time, <laughs> but it's just, it's one of those things where you get to talking about things and, and, uh, you know, it just, it kind of goes. And, and that's, this is again, the most enjoyable part of doing the show is, is uh, just getting to sit down and, and learn more about the people who support the team and all the different things you do that that, that bring us to this. And hopefully, when you're out in the United States, uh, if if that happens, then we can we can make it uh, work for for match tough to find a match uh, sometimes. Yeah, <laughs> it, it, uh, it's tough to find a bar on the West Coast. Sometimes it opens early enough to 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 let you in. But uh, if we can if we get a te- televised game, then we'll be able to uh, to make that work. So I look forward to it. Yeah, trying to figure out how these seven o'clock. Saints games work because I can't even imagine it. <laughs> it, it doesn't work after a 2 a.m. night usually. Uh, it's rough. No, I wouldn't think so. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, that's the thing. In the United States, you can't, you know, the bars close at 2, or in California, the bars close at 2 and they open. They can't open before 6. So you have a window. Uh, you can get in at midnight, you get down there at 6 a.m., 6 30, uh, wait for them to open. But drinking early, that early, that's, you're in for a rough day if you do that. But uh, we'll see how oh, it goes. Yeah. All right, man. We'll, uh, we'll, we'll talk to you soon and thanks a lot. Thanks, Matt. And that does it for this week's episode of the Southampton Delivery Podcast. Thank you so much for joining us. I hope you've enjoyed it. Special thanks this week goes out to Callum Wilson. Once again, you can follow him on Twitter at CallumWilson21, on Instagram at Callum underscore Wilson123. You can also follow Saints 80 Commentary and the Under the Lights Podcast, both of which Callum is associated with. Uh, The links to all of those are in the show notes. Uh, If you have some time in your podcast listening diary, uh, tune in. It's it's worth it. As mentioned earlier in the show, football is coming back. 
Joining me hopefully next week to discuss all of that is the Athletics' very own Carl Anker. I am very much looking forward to discussing uh, Project Restart with him and uh, kind of looking forward to predicting some results for Saints and what we think might uh, go well or not well given how the teams that seem to be pressing a lot are doing in Germany right now given that they're not fully fit. Um, But at least we can make five subs. So there's that. If you want to follow this show on social media, you can do that. We are at SFC, D-E-L-L underscore I-V-E-R-Y on both Twitter and Instagram. We're also on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash SFC delivery. There's no underscore in the Facebook address. If you want all that and more with links to listen to the show on various platforms and links to all the social media accounts and sign up for the newsletter, you can get all that at SouthamptonDelivery.com. That is the show website. Uh, head on over there if you haven't been there. Access to past episodes and everything else I've mentioned before. Uh, I would really appreciate it if you stopped by and just like clicked on some stuff. Partners of the show help make it possible. The logo was designed by Matt Beeling of the We Are Southampton page on Instagram. And make sure to visit the Southampton page on Twitter for all of your Southampton FC news and needs. Uh, if you'd like to support the show further, consider leaving a review on iTunes. It helps a lot. If you'd like to go a little bit further than that, then you can support the show on Patreon at patreon.com forward slash SFC delivery. Uh, most of all, I just thank you for being here. I hope you're well, and I look forward to talking to you again next week. So uh, until then, remember that together, we march on. 